Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Jenny Dietrich. Jenny is the founder, CEO, and author of Spin Sucks, the host of Spin Sucks podcast, author of Spin Sucks the book. She's creator of the Peso model, which we'll get into, and has crafted a certification for it in partnership with Syracuse University. I've had the pleasure of knowing Jenny since she first launched her agency 15 years ago, and you're going to love her no-nonsense, no-holds-barred approach to PR and content marketing. She's the co-author of Marketing in the Round, co-host of Inside PR, and co-host of the Agency Leadership Podcast. I'll put all the links to these great resources in the show notes. Jenny, welcome to the show. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm. I am too. It's been a. It's been a hot minute since we caught up, and so it has been. And it's weird that we've known each other that long. I, I like to pretend that I'm not that old. But. I know. I know. I know. We're just wise. So let's we are. let's start with origin story. Tell us how Spin Sucks came to be, where you started, and where things are now. Oh, um, you know, it's funny. The Spin Sucks started as a blog, and I remember sitting in our conference room with my team and there was, we, I had a really crackerjack intern at the time who ended up staying with me for a long time through promotions and everything. And uh, he was like, you know, we really should think about this blogging thing. And I think this was probably 2006. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was just starting to, people were just starting to talk about it. There were a couple of industry bloggers that were doing it on TypePad, and, and he said, I really think there's something here. And so we could said, okay, great. Let's, let's look at it. Let's at least start it from our perspective to see if it's something that we should offer to clients, you know, it should it be part of our toolbox and, but we need a name. And, and he said, my Cracker Jack intern said, well, you hate it when people say that you're a spin doctor. So why don't we do spin sucks? And I was like, that's fantastic. And as it turns out, it, it the URL existed. And so we took it and ran with it. <laughs> Look at that. I love that. Saved lots of money from a brand identity firm, right? Cracker Jack right. intern. Helping you. <laughs> yeah. My Cracker Jack intern. <laughs> so, yeah. And so that's, I mean, it's, it's evolved. It's funny because I had a conversation with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, "Do you remember blogging about me ten years ago?" And I was like, "No, I don't remember <laughs> blogging about you ten years ago." So I went back and read the blog post, and that he, he that he had mentioned, and I was like, "Wow, I've become a lot better blogger." That was really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that happens though. But I think I think it's a key point. You put yourself out there early to learn, right? I mean, yeah. you jumped yeah. in the pool. I mean, when you I first to. met you, right? I. I would we would have we were using the term PR company right way right. back when and, right. and as you well know and you talk about often the blurred lines between PR content marketing marketing advertising they've all melded together so mm-hmm. how do you answer the question of what PR means in the year 2021? <laughs> oh, I feel like this is a loaded question. Um, so I I think there are two answers to that question, and one is that for the most part, business leaders still associate PR with media relations. They still associate it with <laughs> getting me on Oprah, even though Oprah never, doesn't exist anymore <laughs> from, a, from a TV show perspective um, or in the New York Times or in TechCrunch, you know, whatever. Right. That's how they associate it. But, you know, when, when a prospect comes to us and says, hey, we want PR, I ask those questions like, what what are your expectations? What do you think PR is? Because that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we may use 
media relations to enhance, but we really believe that content is the guiding light and that everything else helps distribute, promote, amplify, get it out there. Awesome. Well, let's talk about the next segment is business model basics, where we learn about your company, how you make money. I mean, in the intro, you heard me mention things like Peso Certification Academy in conjunction with Syracuse. You know, let's dig into that. Sh share some of the different elements of the Spin Sucks business model and in particular the Peso Certification. Sure. So, like I said, the Spin Sucks started as a blog and um, probably in like 2010, I started to see this this whole idea of doing online training mm -hmm. and people taking courses and you know it was certainly that was 11 years ago now so it certainly wasn't where it is now and so we <laughs> i'm almost embarrassed to tell this story we uh, <laughs> oh i'm loving this <laughs> we, we decided that we were going to launch spin sucks pro and it was going to be guided tutorials through how to do pr in 2011 mm -hmm. by the time this launched mm -hmm. and we spent a ton of money on a professional development platform. We spent a ton of money on creating a learning management system because out of the box didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. We spent a ton of money on experts and creating the content and not a single person bought, not one person, oh. not one oh. person. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was really bad. And uh, so we kind of licked our chops and <clears throat> I wrote, I co-authored Marketing in the Rounds, mm -hmm. which afforded me the opportunity to write Spin Sucks the book, which is what I wanted to do. And I went on the speaking tour and I did that whole thing. And through those years, I discovered that part of the challenge with launching Spin Sucks Pro is that we didn't do our own marketing. We just assumed that because we had an email list, people would buy, which was which mm -hmm. shame on us because mm -hmm. we would never do that for a client. But that's mm -hmm. what we assume. Um, and we discovered that the things that communicators wanted and needed w were online, but it wasn't in the function that we um, had it. And so we started just testing. We started really small and we started with uh, an online co course called the Modern Blogging Masterclass. And that married owned and earned media. So it married content and media relations. And then we evolved it from there something bigger, something bigger, something bigger. And then we launched the Peso model course in, I want to say it was 2016, I think. Mm -hmm. And just kept iterating and evolving and figuring out, you know, what people, where people were getting stuck, what they needed, why they weren't able to take what they were learning and measuring it to actual business outcomes. So we were, we were continuing to iterate it. And then in 20, <laughs> February of 2020, keep that date in mind, mm -hmm. we launched the PESA model certification with Syracuse University. Hmm. Good timing <clears throat> award goes to yeah, Jimmy I mean, Dietrich. Really, <laughs> really great timing. <laughs> Well, so yeah, <laughs> I want to I go back to a couple of those things because you hit on some really important lessons there. Um, but first, let's give some context. We've mentioned it now three times, but what is the peso? So peso is paid, earned, shared, and owned mm -hmm. uh, media. So when you think about it, so we think about it from a communications perspective. It's a little bit different if you're thinking about it from a marketing or advertising perspective. But when we think about it, we're thinking about it as relationship building. So when you're using, and, and like I said earlier, we use content as the guiding light. So mm -hmm. owned media, even though it goes P-E-S-O, owned media is actually first. Mm -hmm. And I people will say, well, why did you name it Peso then? And I'm always like, because O-S-E-P or O-E-S-P, like mm -hmm. it's it's not easy to remember, right? Yeah, so, ESOP isn't as fun. Yeah, it's not as fun. 
So we start with owned, and then we look at can we use earned to give our content, journalists and influencers, Mm -hmm. our content a stamp of approval? Mm -hmm. Can we use social media to distribute and promote it? And can we use paid media? So um, Google ads, social media ads, Mm -hmm. boosted content, native advertising, that kind of stuff that you're actually paying for, email marketing. Can we use that to amplify it? Um, so content sits right there in the middle and then we use the other media types to help get it out there. And, and so the, the certification, so the Peso certification Academy course, which I think is 1250, right? Is that correct? Yep. yep so I is. fork over 1250. Am I a, uh, where am I on the continuum when I start that course and where do I come out when I finish it? You know, it's funny because we, we've had the gamut. We've had really experienced I mean, there's somebody taking the course right now, going through the course right now, who's a highly sophisticated marketer at a top three fortune company, mm-hmm. fortune, mm-hmm. fortune five company. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, super sophisticated. And she keeps emailing me with, okay, so I haven't thought about it this way. What if I did? like, and it's mm-hmm. kind of fun because I'm working through, through it with her, you know, one-on-one, but right. Uh, we've, we, it's run the gamut. It's run everything from, you know, Syracuse University students who have to take it as part of to graduate mm-hmm. to, um, you know, really sophisticated. So it just depends on where, like, if you're just if you're a student, you're learning it all, right? Yep. And if you're super sophisticated, it kind it it helps you think about things a little bit differently. It helps you think about using content to build relationships, to build your SEO, to build your credibility, to build your authority, all those kinds of things. So. You have a really unique insight, right? So presumably you have all this data you get to see in feedback, right? Anecdotally and, and other ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So share, so you launched this in February of 2020. And mm-hmm. now here we are in, you know, uh, the back end of 2021. What, if you could maybe raise some of the learnings of either surprises or maybe just kind of like a lasso around where the gaps that are consistent that people are seeing through the course that are coming up if that that's kind of a clunky question but you get what i'm getting at there like yeah, what yeah, trends yeah. that you're seeing where people are like i need more of this um i didn't understand this or whether it's a surprise or not to you i'd be curious what you're seeing i think with the biggest gaps that we're seeing are around measuring results mm-hmm. and taking taking the, what, what we've discovered is that and i think i knew this intuitively but the data has proven it is that Um, marketers tend to be really right-brained and a lot of the stuff that we need them to do in the PESO model certification course, especially to measure results is left brain. So asking them to take the data that they have been, that they have Mm -hmm. through through this work and, and reading it to be able to tell a story is really challenging for them. Mm -hmm. And I keep hearing over and over again, but I didn't, I'm not a marketer because I'm good at math. (laughs) I'm like, it's not math. So I think that's the biggest gap is, you know, helping them sort of go back and forth on right brain versus left brain, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. I, I want to go back and I appreciate the candor so much, right? Uh, let your guard down. And the, that story about like, it was, it was just probably one of the going to be the key takeaways for folks here and of the fact that you launched <laughs> this and you're like, where is everybody? You know? <laughs> 
I have nope. this image. It's one of my favorite commercials. I can't. I, I actually I can't remember the brand. I, I want to say it was like UPS or FedEx, but it was like they. It was probably around the same time where it was like they're launching their e-commerce platform and they're all excited. Like that balloon's going, yay, we got a customer. And then it goes from like one to two to then like a million. And they go from like, like they totally didn't anticipate fulfillment, right? It was just like, oh, right, and right, they, right, they yeah, go yeah, from yeah. like super <laughs> yeah. excited about people are buying our product to like, oh shit, oh, shit. what yep. do we do, right? It's one of my <laughs> yep. favorites. Um, so, so in that regard though, as you look back, you know, what it sounded like, I think what you were implying was like, look, and we all do this, so kudos to you. Like, we're way better for our clients than we are for ourselves. Just way better, right, yeah. right. We're, yeah, we all have yeah. that pleaser mentality. We put ourselves yep. last, all that stuff. But it sounds like you, you kind of, you know, once you had that realization of, oh shoot, we're not practicing what we preach. You, you know, you wrote the book. You did the speaking circuit. So that whole package, um, how has that impacted your advice for clients now? like having gone through that yourself, because it seems like things really kicked in, right? You got this amazing partnership with Syracuse um, and, and you reinvented the process, so to speak, um, from the learnings. And so I'm curious how it's impacted how you approach your clients. Well, it, it, I mean, it, first of all, it's made me more wise, as you mentioned, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, going through that kind of stuff, as long as you're willing to learn from it, definitely, you definitely get key learnings. Like I have a client right now who wants to write a book and I'm like, okay, buddy, like (laughs) (laughs) I've done this twice now. Are you like, let's talk through what it really means. And, and he, you know, so even just that being able to say, Hey, I've been there, I've done that. And, and you know, my last book came out in 2014. Um, when you could still, you know, travel the world, literally the world Mm -hmm. and give keynote presentations and do the book signings and all that. And here we are in, in, in a, an era where you can't do that as much. Mm-hmm. You might be able to go one or two trips, but you can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally gone 50 weeks one year. Mm. Uh, it was great for business, but mm-hmm. yeah, it sucked personally. You can't do that today, right? No. I mean, so thinking about that kind of stuff, like how do you how do you take the idea of going on the road 50 weeks out of the year and transposing that to virtual? And can you do virtual book signings? And can you, like that kind of stuff. So um, it's been really interesting just from that perspective to be able to say, okay, when you, when you do these things and here's been my experience, here's how I recommend you evolve it, or here are the mistakes I made. Don't, don't make them because hmm. yep. you're going to end up screwing yourself. Yeah. I was feel that goes over well. I was in a presentation yesterday and that's, you know, we just launched this new consultancy product, um, for the Latinx community with our, uh, we have a, we have mm-hmm. a La Vida Baseball. We created a, a Latinx, uh, media publishing company and we found, right? Like most businesses, if you, it's like, wait a minute, we're getting calls from people who are saying, can you help us with this? We should probably develop a product around it. <laughs> right. And you go into the, you know, the pitch and it's, it's authentic. You're just like, look, we've made more mistakes in four and a half years than, uh, that I, you know, can even care to remember. So the good news is we've made the mistakes before we come to you. It's a, it's an endearing right. thing, right? And that's where I was kind it of is. getting at with you, with your, yeah. with your business. So, so let's flip it to the, the, the super positive side and case study deep dive, pick a project of yours that flexes your business at its best. Oh, um, so right before everything got shut down, I started to personally, uh, not the agency, but me personally, it was, it was really important for me to understand how to, how 
organizations, sophisticated organizations could use the PESOL model internally. Mm -hmm. And I talked to, like, it, it was one thing because I was interviewing or talking to uh, marketers or communicators at big companies. I talked to people at Chase and Citibank and Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. and I talked to people at GE and IBM and Apple. Like I talked to the gamut, but mm -hmm. what I discovered is that either they didn't, they weren't using the PESOL model or the marketing communications teams were so dispersed that they couldn't use it because it was too siloed. So I was trying to figure out how as an agency we could help clients implement it um, when those challenges exist. And so I start, I started offering my, my personal services to one company a year where I would go, where I go in and I serve as their interim chief of communications and we figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've worked with a couple of, fully funded startups now um to do that and i'm i'm working with one right now a SaaS company right now that we're pretty much building rebuilding because everything was so dispersed and so siloed and mm -hmm. nobody was talking to one another that it made it impossible like you had the the media relations team and you had the content team and you had the social team but nobody was working together so we've pretty much dismantled everything and started to rebuild it yeah. And it's fun to watch because everybody's like, oh, mm -hmm. you can do that. Oh, we can do this. It's really fun to watch. It's very fun to watch. <laughs> well, I'm curious because you you mentioned you're tending to work with some much larger companies in, in the inside. And and before we get on here, I talked to you about some of the smaller companies we're working with. And, and yep. I'm yep. maybe I shouldn't be surprised. I'm fascinated, right? Like um, how and I get it. If somebody came comes from the outside, looks at my business, it's probably the same way. It's just so much easier to see when you're coming in with fresh eyes and, and no bias, right? But I'm always fascinated, especially in these small businesses like the, you know, ten to fifty million dollar range where mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. or even five to fifty million dollar range. It's just kinda like you're looking you're talking at the C suite level and to your point, it's like the inherent silos between sales and marketing. You have a team over here working their ass off, like creating content and pushing stuff out. And then you're like, the, the gap between, say, you know, you'll, you'll say, so how are you guys tracking this with your sales team? How is sales saying right. it's working or not? They're like, <laughs> right. oh, we don't meet with them. You know, it's like, wait right. a minute. What do can, you mean you don't meet with can them? Can we start with that? Like, yes. You know, yes. it's like this yes. huge, the most important fundamental piece I'm connecting the dots always seems to be the one that has the largest gap. Everyone goes to the tactical things and starts, yes. it's like the old activity burns and anxiety. I'm curious at the, what's it like at the bigger companies when you get in there? It's the same. Oh, come on. <laughs> that long-winded setup and I get the, it's the same. It's the same. Oh. Like, I, I work with one company that, Honestly, truly, eighteen months ago, their CRM was on was on a whiteboard. I was like, "No, no, no, no! What happens if it gets erased?" I would take pictures of it every time we met because I was so nervous it was going to get erased. That's a great commercial, by the way. That's a great commercial. You know, the cleaning lady comes in at night or cleaning service, and it's like our CRM is our CRM is gone overnight. Oh, I love it. Yes, it's the absolute thing. Well, uh, let's go there for success metrics. I, I recently, um, I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts in advance of this, and, and you talk regularly about being maniacal about measurement, right? So share the headlines of some of your most tried and true 
misconceptions of clients <laughs> and how you've helped set a course for content marketers to align and focus? I think that, especially today, clients expect every penny that they spend does translate to results. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the, the conversations I have is most of your peso model budget can be measured to results, but not all. Mm -hmm. um, I will, I, I gently suggest to, you know, the director of marketing or whoever our day-to-day -day contact is that they talk about it being 50, a 50, 50 split, like 50% can be measured directly to business outcomes and 50% is brand awareness. And mm -hmm. certainly that can be measured. It's mm -hmm. expensive and ridiculous and we mm -hmm. never recommend it, but mm -hmm. like, so just, we have, we set the stage pretty early with the executive team that half of your budget is going to be spent on brand awareness and you're going to know it's working intuitively. You're going to have people say things to you. You're going to get anecdotes and things like that, but we're not going to be able to say so-and-so read a blog post and then like we're, mm -hmm. we can't, mm -hmm. we can't do that. Mm -hmm. So um, we can measure first, middle and last touch attribution for sure. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, this, you'll ask somebody where they, they learned about you and they'll, they'll say, I saw your billboard and you're like, great, we don't have billboards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, to your point, I, I found it fascinating that uh, I really like your approach on like the, the brand lift. Do you feel, do you, you said it's, it's really expensive and you're going to know anecdotally. Do you feel like that entire, um, approach is kind of what I call a CYA metric, like the cover your ass where it's like somebody, I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? It's like, if you're going to go hire a brand lift awareness company and you're paying them money, they're like so incentivized to show you how great you did. Right. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, yes. And, and you can do also, I mean, <laughs> I, I have a colleague who will say you can get data and survey re results to tell you whatever you want, which is true. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. All right. So I want, I want to segue a new segment, communication cliff notes. You've got a podcast aptly named spin sucks that we talked about. And I, re I recently listened to the episode what's in store for communicators for the rest of 2021 <laughs> chock full of survey results, right? Nice segue there. And classic Ginny Dietrich share what results <laughs> stood out to you and what you make of them. Oh, <sighs> So first of all, I love the size because it's just like, <laughs> hang on, people. We got some good. Here come the goods. <clears throat> there. I don't even know how to say this, like without being snarky. One of the questions they asked was how you're using technology or software to be more efficient at your job, mm -hmm. measure results and get the data you need to prove that you're an investment instead of an expense. And <clears throat> nearly everybody said, we're still using spreadsheets. And mm -hmm. I was like, no! <laughs> what? that's not okay. What do you mean? It's like having your CRM on the whiteboard. That's not okay. Uh, uh. <sighs> <laughs> so sometimes I feel like I'm pushing a boulder uphill mm -hmm. uh, with communicators. Um, but there, there were some really good things in there. Like, we, and we've seen this uh, anecdotally as well in the last 18 months that um, business leaders are much more in tune with internal communications. Mm -hmm. um, I've had more conversations in the last 18 months about how do we prepare our organization for crisis 
so that when it happens, not if, but when it happens, we're ready. How do we keep our employees engaged and motivated, especially because we're, we're virtual? How do we keep, like, we saw engagement extraordinarily high and culture and morale really high, which this is going to sound weird, but after, during the protests last year, because, not because there were protests, but because companies said to their employees, go do what you need to do, protest, do mm-hmm. those things. And and they they opened their doors and had conversations that they hadn't had before and mm-hmm. or that they'd kept to themselves, you know, and they, they opened up the ability for people to say, I'm really stressed about this and I don't know what to do. And so we've seen we've seen a lot of business leaders say we want to continue that momentum. How do we do it? And mm-hmm. I think between that and people being really invested in diversity, equality and inclusion, it, we've come we've come a long way in the last 18 months because of that stuff. And that's what the survey results showed as well. Uh, you know, I, I am curious because we talked about kind of that gap between small, big business. It doesn't matter between the sales and marketing functions or like around content and our mutual friend, Bob Burke used to always quote, you know, fools with tools are still fools. I forget who the originated that quote, <laughs> but I get asked that all the time. I'm curious, especially since you work with so many SaaS related companies, um, tools that you recommend or tools ah. that you're seeing that people are using effectively to kind of help bridge this gap. You know what I have found, and this is a terrible answer to your question, but I have found that the best tools are the ones you'll actually use. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you my favorite tools, but if you don't like them or you you can't figure out how to use it or it doesn't speak to you, you're not going to use it. It's not going to be effective for you. Like everybody loves Asana. I hate Asana. I want to I want to throw Asana out mm-hmm. with every – I hate it. I hate it. But lots of people love it. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you my favorites. But what is your favorite? Mean I – cannot live without notion notion is the lifesaver that i don't I've even never know knew. notion what oh is my notion? gosh it's kind of well it's not kind of it's project management evernote okay uh google drive like everything in one okay. so i've created all of our for this one company where i'm serving as head of comms for i've created our whole plan in notion it has uh calendars it has to-do lists it has everything in there and then as things happen, you know, we just did an, we just had one of the executives do an interview for a new series, video series we're launching. All of, all of the assets are in there and mm-hmm. all you have to do is go to the Notion board and it's all right there. It's, fa- it's fantastic. I love it. Now, do you use that for yourself? Because to I your do. point, okay. Because I, I think there's a big difference between, you know, a lot of clients we're talking about on, on Brand Story Inc. podcast, they're using Slack, but it's like all of these, right. to your point, right. it's like it's 100% opt-in or the whole thing fails if you don't have everyone. Right. And right. so it's almost like you have to design the communication tools if you're using them to collaborate towards the lowest common denominator, right? Correct. Yes. Um, so, okay, cool. Uh, now we're going to get a little personal on the home stretch here. So wish I would have known segment. You're a hustler. You're smart. You've pivoted your business multiple times. As the 2021 Ginny Dietrich were to talk to the 2005 Ginny, what are the secrets you'd be sharing with her? Oh, um, I would share that there are going to be two major catastrophes in your business mm-hmm. to this point, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're going to survive. Um, that success is not necessarily defined by a revenue number it's more defined by um profit Mm -hmm. and how happy you are you know do you have the work-life balance that you want um and the number of employees does not dictate 
how successful your company will be. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. I felt prey to that early. I um, did too. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. Uh, okay. So morning musts, fess up on your email inbox, social follows, the morning routine of how you stay on top of industry news. You know what? You're going to hate this answer, but I don't. I don't have a morning routine for that. I do that in the evening. I ride okay. my bike in the morning. Nice. <laughs> yes. Are you a Peloton gal? Or well, are you an outdoor during biker? The, during the winter, I am. Peloton, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So bike. evening. Give me your evening email. Like who? The, the, the point being, right, obviously, who, who are some of your sources that you enjoy to stay on top of industry news? Um, You know, I don't... I, it's really hit or miss for me. I'm I'm more into like The Economist, The Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, BBC News, um, Vanity Fair. I love Vanity Fair. It's, mm-hmm. it's become pretty trashy, but I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the New Yorker. I read that kind of stuff. because, And they all cover our industry, yeah. but they do it from a business perspective. And I like to see, even though it makes me really mad, I like to see some of the quote unquote advice that they're giving to business leaders because a lot of times it's categorically false. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I read. And I also swipe my iPhone and to the news and I go through the, my Apple news. <laughs> Final <laughs> question for you. Bedside book stand. What are you reading for fun? Right now I just started ordinary people last night. Um, and I just finished what comes after ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. See, this is my poor man's Goodreads, my poor man's curation of. Uh... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wait, what was? What did you just finish last night? Did you say? Uh, what comes after? What's, it's about, what's that about? It's it's about um, a man who loses his son. His son is. I'm not giving away the plot. By yeah. Chance. His son is murdered by their next door neighbor, and then okay. the next door neighbor kills himself. Okay. Um. But then there's they can't figure out why, and there's a girl involved, and mm-hmm. it's it's actually pretty good. But it's written from the man's um, mm-hmm. perspective but written by a woman and he's a Quaker so like just there, there's just there's a whole, whole piece in there about being a Quaker and um, mourning in silence and that kind of stuff which I, I found really fascinating awesome well Ginny Dietrich can't appreciate your insights and time enough where can people where would you like them to follow you connect with you as they listen to this spinsucks.com awesome Ginny, thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. It's so good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.